It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for the weekend mailbag. So for that, I've got two special guests. One of them is on with me on the mailbags. Usually, he's, of course, the owner of the Operator, the lead reporter. The whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. And we've got Clayton Smarslock in here to talk a little bit of draft and answer some questions for the mailbag as well. This is part two of the mailbag, so let's jump right in and pick up where we left off yesterday. Next question comes in from one of our favorites, Peter J. Dillard. He says, gentlemen, based solely on the current roster, if you could only add from the draft and the board fell your way, what is your ideal draft by position? For me, I would like a tackle in the first, a tackle in the second, a wide receiver in the third, an edge in the third, a wide receiver in the fourth, a corner in the fifth, a running back in the sixth, a wide receiver in the sixth. What do you think? Also, if you could only have one player from this list of people to be your bodyguard, who would it be? Mackay Becton, Larry Allen, Snacks Harrison, Vince Wilfork, or Chris Jenkins? That's a fun one. Let's start with the first part of this. First part is, I'll be honest, I think that it really depends on who's on the board. I haven't really thought about the position allocation. The only thing I could say is, ideally, I would like them to get two offensive linemen, two wide receivers, and a corner or an edge with those first five picks. Beyond that, it's kind of a grab bag based on who's available. And then who would I want as my bodyguard? I would say right now I would want Becton because he's the youngest but if we're talking about prime here, give me Chris Jenkins as my bodyguard. What do you think, Chris? Who's man? That that the second part. That that's a fun question. Um, but yeah, so I, I'll just go offensive line or tackle wide receiver, offensive line wide receiver. Uh, I'm good with going more offensive line. Honestly, I, I just use all the draft picks on wide wide receivers and offensive line. I'm good with it. <laughs> I don't care about no damn defense this year. Just protect and help Darnold get all the offensive line in there. But yeah, so after that third round, I'm okay with you start adding in uh cornerbacks, Ed Guy, a uh, uh, running back. I, I might uh, just right now saying this, I might go running back there just because I feel like the running back you'd get in the fourth is actually going to be a really good player and this isn't a great edge class, so I don't know how that's going to go. It's cornerbacks deep, though, so you could go there, too. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd basically just be rotating offensive line, wide receiver, offensive line, wide receiver. Um, I, I agree with your take. Becton, because he's younger, and also because he is so huge and fast at that size, <laughs> so he can go hunt people down and chase them down for me. Um, 
But yeah, Jenkins, Larry Allen. Oh mm-hmm. man! But I, I, I'd go with Becton just because of the, the young, the youth, and the speed. Clayton, what do you think? Who would protect you? And what are your thoughts on who the Jets should draft in terms of positions with those picks that they have? Yeah, I mean, I'll start off with the draft question. So, uh, yeah, offense, the first two rounds, I know exactly what I want. I want offensive tackle, receiver. Like, I don't want anything to stray away from that. I want those first. I want those two positions in the first two rounds. After that, it's kind of like what I said: <laughs> receiver, offensive <laughs> line, receiver, offensive line. I, I would, I wouldn't mind if they took. Like I just did a mock a separate mock draft for the Jets today. I had them taking Bryce Hall in the third round. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wouldn't mind if they went corner like that early. Um, or ed- honestly, I prefer not to go edge rusher that early because I just don't think there's there's a very deep edge rush, uh, edge class. Yeah. So if they're going to go defense in the first three rounds, I'd prefer it to be corner. Uh, and then after that, just get depth wherever they need it because this team this team was so injured last year. And we saw there were so many ho- more holes than there actually were because of the because of the lack of depth. So just build a depth. That's all I really care about in the later rounds. And then as a bodyguard, I'm going to do something different. Like you guys both picked back then. I'm going to say Vince Wilfork, hmm. just so I don't know. I don't know if this. I, I, in my mind, this is how it works. I'm picking Vince Wilfork because I'll just bash the Patriots as much as I can, and he can't do anything to me. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can all agree that any of those guys would be an outstanding bodyguard. Who the hell is messing with you when you're surrounded by Makai Becton, Larry Allen, Chris Jenkins, or Vince Wilfork? I'm going to go ahead and say pretty much nobody unless that person is drunk and out of their damn mind. Clayton, quick follow-up, and then Chris, I want to ask you about this too since you mentioned some of the corners I love Jalen Johnson from Utah I think he's going to be an outstanding corner and there's been talk that players like Johnson who have injury histories may drop in this draft more so than in previous drafts because of the fact that teams haven't been able to examine these guys with their team doctors the way that they have in years past if somebody like Jalen Johnson who normally would be a lock stock and barrel first round pick somehow tumbles to 48 or even down to the Giants pick in the third round you'd have to jump on something like that right yeah so I'm uh, Jalen Johnson's one corner that I have to go back and watch because I feel like I'm I might be a little low on him I have him as uh cornerback nine right now wow but but I haven't watched him in a while, so I, I'm going to go back and watch him to see if I if there's anything different that I that I notice. I try to watch some different games, but he might be cornerback nine, but he still he still has a second round grade. Like I, I just want to get that out there. He's still a second round grade for me. Um, I actually really like the top half of the top of this cornerback class. So a 48. I mean, I wouldn't be upset because I know he is a talented player. But like I said, I would prefer to go offense the first two rounds, and then if he falls to the Giants pick in the third round. By all means, like I, I had, like I just mentioned, I had Bryce Hall. I had the Jets taking Bryce Hall in the early third. So if they replace Hall with Johnson, who I think is better, I'd be so on board with it. Chris, forgetting about the specific players, just the idea of a guy who's had some injuries that normally would be a guaranteed first-round pick dropping a lot more than normal because of the current situation. Is that something that you think the Jets should get in on in terms of being willing to take some swings like that? Because I feel like when you're a team like the Jets so desperate for talent, 
When you have the opportunity to get a guy in a spot where you normally wouldn't be able to, this is the time to take a risk like that. And I'm not even talking about necessarily cornerback. I'm saying in general, if you can get a guy much later than you anticipated because of the fact that he's got an injury history and teams haven't had the opportunity to examine him the way they would have liked. Now, neutral doctors are going to be able to take a look at these guys and there'll be some medical reports, but still... I feel like the Jets are in a position where they need to get as much talent as possible. And if they can get extremely talented players lower than they normally would be able to, that's an opportunity they shouldn't pass up, right? Yeah, well, look, we talked about this last week with the NFL holding the draft, uh, you know, when it was supposed to. Uh, I think a lot of teams are going to play it safe. Now, which teams... Who knows? Uh, but I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be less likely and less willing to take the chance on uh, injured players or character players that they never got a chance to sit down and talk to, um, to really talk to it on a visit, not just some Zoom uh, Skype meeting. Um, but that does open up an opportunity for Joe Douglas, uh, for other teams who might be willing to do that. And absolutely, if if we're just talking about injuries and it's just, you know, ankle injury or whatever, it's, it, we're not talking about something that's going to be, uh, you know, Jay, uh, Jai, Todd Gurley type regenerative uh, issue growing up. Then I'd absolutely do that. The Van Jefferson thing we were talking about earlier, that injury is not going to scare me away from taking him. Um, maybe he won't be able to play as, as quickly as I would hope. But uh, you can use this to your advantage if you want to be aggressive in this situation. I would still stay away from a cornerback in the second round. You, could, you might be able to talk me with one of those third-round picks, depending on who's there. But um, I still want an offensive line receiver those first two picks. But if, if a player is – you have him as you know a second-round grade and he's available in the third and there's injury concerns – uh, go ahead and take him. Go ahead and take that player at the top of your board and worry about everything else later. Take that shot and uh, you know swing for the fences. Hope you get a home run there because Joe Douglas is going to need to just hit a couple of these picks completely out of the park for the for them to have hope in these next year or two. Next question comes in from the senatorial. He says, watching all four of the tackles that everybody believes are the top four in this draft, which one has the highest floor and which one has the highest ceiling? This is an easy one, and I think we're all going to agree on this. The highest floor is Jedrick Wills, and the highest ceiling is Mekhi Becton. Now, as far as beyond that, here's how I would rank it. Clayton, I'm curious to see what you say on this. I think the highest ceiling is Becton, the second highest ceiling is Wirfs, third highest ceiling is Jedrick Wills, and fourth is Thomas. As far as floor, I think the highest floor is Wills, second highest floor is Thomas, third is Wirfs, and fourth is Becton. Is that how you see it, Clay? That's exactly how I see it. <laughs> I mean, you can you can probably interchange Thomas and Worth on floor, but like, I'd say two A, two B. But yeah, I, I see it pretty much the same way. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, same thing. I I just add that I think that uh, Thomas has the lowest ceiling there, uh, but the I have I have it exactly the same way. I mean, I, it, it's impossible to look at Mackay Becton. And especially the numbers he put up, his athleticism, and not say that he's got the highest ceiling too. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I see it exactly the same. I, I'm struggling to find a way to look at it differently, honestly. 
Next question involving Mekhi Becton comes in from Jim D. He says, if Mekhi Becton is the last of the four tackles on the board at 11, would Joe Douglas pick him knowing he's not a fit in Gase's offense in the outside zone attack? We've seen how Gase handles players who aren't a fit in his 32nd rank offense. So <laughs> let's talk about this. Number one, I think too many people get carried away with scheme stuff when you're talking about 20-year-old college players. Makai Becton wasn't asked to do a lot in these pass sets at Louisville, very limited pass sets. A lot of it was rushing. And I think you're projecting when you talk about Makai Becton, but that's exactly what you have to do with draft prospects. Do I think that Makai Becton can be a fit in Adam Gase's offense if he's coached properly? Absolutely. He has the size, the strength, the speed, the athleticism to be able to play in any type of offense on the offensive line if his technique is improved. Now, Joe Blewett was on the show, and he talked about this, and we went over this. Becton has a lot of work to do technique-wise, and as we said, the pass sets are an issue because he wasn't asked to do that much in terms of pure pass sets at Louisville, but... If Frank Pollock is even a halfway decent offensive line coach, or whoever it is, after Frank Pollock, if, say, Gase and Frank Pollock are gone after next year, then Mekhi Becton is going to be a really, really good offensive tackle. And if he hits his ceiling, as we said, he could be a dominant offensive tackle. He only has to get his technique to an acceptable level. If he can do that, because of the combination of size, speed, and athleticism, he has the potential to just be a real mauler, not only in the run game, but in the pass game as well. And so while I realize that at the moment he hasn't proven himself to be able to handle Gase's scheme, I think if he gets decent coaching, he'd be fine. And on top of that, I don't think that you're picking a guy just based on whether or not he fits Adam Gase's scheme because we don't know if Adam Gase is going to be here after next year or the year after that. Joe Douglas has to construct a team that he thinks is going to be successful over the course of the next four to six years. And so, to me, you don't pass on a guy like Mekhi Becton unless you just don't think that he's a guy that is going to come close to reaching his ceiling. If you think that he's not going to be able to overcome his technique flaws, then fine, don't take him. But you don't do it because you think that Adam Gase might not think he's an ideal fit for his scheme. Yeah, and the Jets are at a point where you have to take good players. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't just be like, okay, maybe he doesn't fit Adam Gase's scheme. All right, well, one, you're not supposed to, not always supposed to fit the scheme. The coach is supposed to fit his players. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's how it should be in the NFL. And Gaze, obviously, he has not shown that, which maybe it does stray them away from a guy like Beckton. But I, I think they have, and I think Douglas knows, like, knows this. Like, Gaze, isn't, Gaze doesn't have a six-year contract. Douglas does. So he, I'm sure while he wants to try to help Gaze as much as he can to help the team right now, he also needs to make sure that this team is built for after the possibility that Gase is fired. Mm-hmm. And I think that Becton, we, we just talked about, he, he has the highest potential, arguably the highest potential out of all these offensive tackles. So you just got to take good players and just hope that your coaches use them the right way. Yeah, I agree with that uh, 100%. And uh, one thing, though, is you can't look at a college team scheme and then uh, make a decision to draft or not draft somebody because it's not the same scheme mm-hmm. that, that, that their college ran. Um, it, it's especially 
you look at the traits, and I think his traits could fit what the uh, Joe Douglas and Adam Gase want. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like you said, if they have concerns about his technique and whether he'd ever ever be able to smooth that out, and that's a problem for them, then all right, fine. But you're not going to look at it and say, oh, well, Louisville, they were running this different scheme than us. So th- they're not they're not eliminating uh, all offensive linemen that ran a different scheme than what uh, Adam Gase does. It's not like they're only going to consider, uh, especially when college is a, such a different game than NFL in 2020. You still have so much focus on the run game in college where not nearly as much in the NFL for good reason. Um, so it would be silly to sit here and say, oh, they ran different schemes, so we're not going to draft them. You look at the traits that he has and whether those traits would uh, be able to fit into the scheme. And I think they would. Now, again, that the technique would might be an issue of what they feel there, but I, he is athletic. He was fast. Like, he can move. Like, yes, I, I think his traits would work. Um, but just looking at the scheme he ran in college, I, I don't care what scheme he ran. they were in in college. I care about the, the traits that he has. Absolutely. Traits are what matters when you're scouting college talent. And on top of that, when you're talking about a college kid, it's very different than when you're talking about somebody who's been in the NFL as a veteran. Because at that point, you can tell whether or not a guy can fit a certain scheme. With college, it's not that cut and dry. You have to look at the traits that he has, and I think we all agree that Makai Becton has the traits to fit in any scheme that you're going to run. Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He says, do you guys think it would be an awful move to trade up in the second round for a center? So here's how I'll answer that, and I'm curious to see what you say about this, Clayton. I wouldn't want to trade up in the second round for a center unless that center was Ruiz because I think if you can get Ruiz he's the type of guy that at guard or center I think has the potential to be a pro bowler for years to come he's just nasty and filthy and I think he ends up going in the first round but if somehow he slides down to the second I'm not saying I would make the move but if the Jets did make a move to trade up and grab Cesar Ruiz I wouldn't hate it no I mean I wouldn't hate it either I I really like Cesar Ruiz I really like Lloyd Cushenberry Mm -hmm. but I don't know. You might have to, because we're, what, we're picking 48th, so you would have to move up, what, 14, 15 spots, uh, possibly. And I just don't know if Douglas should or would give up the draft capital to move it up that high to get one of those guys. Maybe they like a guy like Nick Harris in the third or fourth round. I, I wouldn't trade up for one of them unless it was within, like, six picks of 48 so i would say no i would say i would go up to 40 if if it meant trading up to, uh, for one of them but any more than that is like you know what we have so many holes to fill let's just keep our picks and stay pat chris i agree with clayton that it has to depend on what the price would be and how high you have to move up but i think if it's within a reasonable distance and you believe that caesar ruiz could be a pro bowler at either guard or center for the next decade It's not a move that would be a bad one for the Jets. I know that everybody is attached to having as many picks as possible, but listen, if you can grab one of those four tackles at number 11 and you can find a way to get somebody like Cesar Ruiz, those two guys could be key pieces of the offensive line for years and years to come. And quite frankly, that's something we've all been screaming for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I agree with both of you, though, because 
that that picking at 48 in the second round that you'd have to be trading up probably pretty high to get Cesar Ruiz um and you know anything after that those two third round picks I'd I'd be willing to do no question I re- I really want to go wide receiver and offensive line again in the third I want I want two of those picks in the third um so depending on how far you'd have to trade up what you'd have to give um, but it, he's he is a good enough player that if it was for him that I might my reaction might be like I wouldn't have done that I would have kept that extra pick but I'm you're not gonna sit me sit here and see me killing them for acquiring Caesar Ruiz no matter how they acquire him so I mean as long as they're not doing anything crazy and giving up like super high pick next year uh, I'm I'm not gonna end up killing them for it but. Um, uh, like Clayton said, they just have so many holes. Um, I, I, I it, you could talk me into it depending on the price, but uh, but I really want those two third round picks just because of how many positions they need to fill. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Johnny. He says, what do you guys make of this report by Matt Miller over at Bleacher Report that the Jets really like CeeDee Lamb and have him as their number one wide receiver? Do you buy it, and do you think there's a real chance that they'll pick CeeDee Lamb at number 11? 
So I'll answer this first, and then I want to go to Chris because this is more in his domain since we're talking about leaks and stuff involving the media and teams. If the information is out there, it's out there for a reason. The Jets are leaking this purposefully. They want Matt Miller to have this, and they want Matt Miller to put this out there. So the question becomes, why? What is the purpose for this? I think you could look at it a variety of different ways. Maybe they're trying to get a team to trade up ahead of them to take Lamb. Maybe they have intel that, say, the Raiders or the 49ers really like Lamb, and they're trying to head fake one of those teams to trading up. Maybe they're trying to get the Browns to relax a little bit and be willing to trade back because we know the Browns want an offensive lineman. So maybe they figure if they trade back to 12, if the Jets want Lamb, they don't have anything to worry about in making a move back because they could still get their tackle. Either way, this was deliberately done. Matt Miller has this information because the Jets wanted him to have this information. So you have to ask yourself what the angle is here. And I think those are two angles that make a lot of sense. Chris, this is, as I said, your domain. This is your area of expertise. Talk about this a little bit. And then also talk about CeeDee Lamb, which I'll add right now. I think Lamb's an excellent receiver. Wouldn't be my pick at 11. I know you and I differ on this, Chris. You want a receiver. I absolutely do not. But if they picked him, it would be hard not to get excited because he's a very dynamic player. I don't think that the Jets are going to pick CeeDee Lamb unless all four tackles are off the board and they're stuck at 11 and they can't move out. Then maybe if Lamb's on the board, they would do it. Otherwise, I don't think that's going to happen. But Chris, talk to me about this and about the leak. Okay, so I'm going to start with this. I do, I do think if uh, – I said this a long time ago. If Adam Gase's number one receiver is probably CeeDee Lamb. Uh, C.D. Lamb, you're seeing a lot of uh, DeAndre Hopkins comparisons with him, and and that works for me. I don't really like doing comps for players so much, but that does work. He he is exceptional. Jump balls uh, after the uh, yards after the catch. He is an exceptional talent. Um, I agree with everything you were saying about you know when stuff gets leaked out. Uh, at this time, it, we've talked about this silly season, smoke season, all this stuff. When things get leaked out, there's a reason behind it. Having said all that, the, the Jets are taking an offensive lineman at number 11. And if one of those top four aren't there, then I still think there's a better chance they take Josh Jones than they take a wide receiver. And if they don't take Josh Jones, then I could see them going with uh, Chiasen or going or trading down or get, getting a C.J. Henderson uh, cornerback type. That I will be shocked if Joe Douglas takes a receiver at 11. I would take C.D. Lamb if, all, if those top uh, offensive linemen are gone. I'm still on, on team draft one of the offensive linemen. But I won't crush them if they pass on them for one of these receivers. But I would go with the offensive linemen. Having again, uh, when this stuff gets out there like that, there there is a reason. They're they're trying to angle for something. And the funny part about all that at this point is that every team knows that teams are doing this, so it's like an exercise in futility at this point. And it does you could go ahead and leak something that is absolutely a hundred percent true, and teams aren't going to buy it anyway. So it's almost like, what are we doing with this? We're all just wasting our time and our breath, but this is what's going to happen, and this is what we're going to do. But I just, I will be absolutely shocked if Joe Douglas takes a receiver at number eleven, even if those top four guys are off the board, unless he's just like stuck there and he he can't trade down. 
Um, I think that's the only way that you would see that. I just don't think you're going to get Joe Douglas to spend a almost top 10 pick on a wide receiver. That just doesn't line up with anything I know about Joe Douglas. Clayton, you were at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, so you're familiar with the way these guys operate, how they throw smoke screens out there, how they intentionally plant information with certain reporters. So you get what's going on here. Tell me a little bit about what you think about this and also what your thoughts would be on the C.D. Lamb situation because we've heard in the past that the Jets have done a ton of work on Henry Ruggs. The Jets love Henry Ruggs. Now we're hearing C.D. Lamb. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear soon that they love Jerry Judy because they're trying to make people think that they may actually go receiver when everybody and their mother believes they're going offensive tackle at 11. So why not throw some information out there that the Jets love Ruggs, then here's some information that they love CeeDee Lamb, and then later on perhaps information that they love Jerry Judy. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. I mean... But I'm looking at Matt Miller's report right now. He even says every source I spoke uh, I spoke with still thinks the Jets go offensive tackle here. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe everyone I believe everyone knows that that's still where they want to go. And Douglas is not shied away from the fact that he wants to build in the trenches. But it's also no no like you the Jets want people to know that they are interested in the receivers just so they can just one team just one team needs to trade in front of them to get a receiver to possibly have an Andrew Thomas or Mackay Beckton fall to them. That's all they need. They're, do, they're trying to do everything they can. But I also said to you before we started recording, it's, I'm not going to say it's a 0% chance that they don't take CeeDee Lamb. Maybe he is their top receiver. Maybe they do like him. And maybe Adam Gase tries to weasel his way in there to try to get his guy. Because I feel like Gase is a guy that has never prioritized offensive line. I I just don't foresee it happening. Like, and you mentioned Mobile. Like when I was down there, I was I heard something a couple times that makes so, just so much sense. When stuff leaks out there, you have to think about who does it benefit. Mm-hmm. This benefits the Jets, and we we kind of already went over this. This benefits the Jets in every way possible. If all the tackles are gone, maybe maybe a team wants to extend instead of like a third and a fifth, maybe they do a third and a fourth just to trade with the Jets so they can get DB Lamb. Like. You never know. This is just trying to help out the Jets any way they can. They're putting it out there themselves. I'd, I'd be shocked if, if they weren't putting it, uh, putting this out there. They may have intel that the 49ers or the Raiders who are sitting right behind them like CeeDee Lamb, so they're trying to bluff them into trading up, as you said, Clayton. There's a variety of reasons that the Jets could be putting this out there, and as my friend John Grella, who's a PR pro and has come on the show a couple of times, will point out, as you said, always look at who this benefits. That's the number one question you have to ask, and this benefits the Jets in a variety of ways. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. That is going to wrap up part two of the weekend mailbag. Chris Nimbley of JetsInsider.com, Clayton Smarslock of Coast to Coast Scouting. Chris, I'm going to let you go first. I know you've got a lot of stuff cooking over at JetsInsider.com. So what's up over there with you and Nania and your new writer, too? Yeah, Nanny has got a couple articles up there. It's more uh, grading the early offseason moves. Uh, he's got eight, four parts up there now. Uh, Jack Williams uh, went ahead. He's got a couple articles up, too. The latest one was about um, how Joe Douglas really needs to get, you know, he needs to n- not play it safe. He needs to get aggressive, get the guys he wants 
um, and, and knock it out the park. So we, we got a bunch of stuff coming, a lot more draft content coming up leading up to this draft. And Josh, gonna, I'm going to lay through all the different scenarios and uh, you know see what makes the most sense and what they should be going for. Clayton, what do you got going on at Coast to Coast Scouting? Uh, right now, I'm really just trying to finish my big board. I mean, I, right now, I'm trying to finalize my offensive rankings. I have right now 118 players just on the offensive side. So once I'm done with that, I'll move on to defense and hopefully get this banged out before the uh, hopefully by right before the week uh, the weekend before the draft. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Follow Clayton on Twitter at CSmars NFL Draft and check out his work at Coast to Coast Scouting. If you haven't had an opportunity to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it would go a long way in helping us out. So if you could do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. Also, if you haven't subscribed yet to the Badlands series with Joe Caparoso and Connor Rogers, highly recommend doing that. They've been killing it with their podcast lately, and now Connor's got written content up, including a seven-round mock draft that's just of the Jets' picks, and it's only available on the Badlands feed. So if you want to subscribe, go over to Podbean, or you can go to at Jay Caparoso on Twitter or at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter, and you can find the link there. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, as I said, check out Clayton's work at Coast to Coast Scouting. Check out Chris's work at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.